Hey, it's Scott Petrick with another episode of the Brown Zone Zone Coverage Podcast. Deshaun Watson was reinstated from suspension on Monday, practiced with the starters on Wednesday, and talked to reporters Thursday. He'll make his official Browns debut Sunday in Houston. He's returning to a 4-7 and team that kept alive its playoff hopes last week with an overtime win over Tampa Bay. Here to discuss another busy week is Dave Chodowski of Go, the WKYC Morning News. What's up, Chud? Scott, how are you? The answer to the question we asked over and over and over again, what would the Browns record be when Deshaun Watson <laughs> came back? And we now have our answer, four and seven. Yeah, we do. Um, it's a, I think it's about a game less than I expected, uh, a win less. I thought five and six. I don't know if I thought they would be five and six, but I thought they needed to get to five and six. And I still kind of feel the same way. So I think six and oh, uh, asking Deshaun Watson to go six and oh, is is a lot ever but especially when he hasn't played in 700 days um but at yeah. least at least that win against Tampa Bay kept those playoff hopes alive and I think it gives you know fans another reason to be invested and be interested because if they do go on a run um they're still in position to get to the playoffs kind of cool today we get to talk about a win and you know how many conversations have we had about Watson and now finally the time has come where he's going to play this weekend, so a lot to dive into. But I, I think we put the win on hold, and isn't that typical Cleveland, right? We, <laughs> we finally get a win, and we put that on hold because, uh, you know, we got to talk about Watson's return. So he did not speak with reporters on Wednesday. That seemed to irritate a lot of people. I saw on Twitter. I don't know how you felt about that, but bottom line is he talked today, and it seemed like, you know, not a lot came out of it because he didn't talk about his situation. He said he couldn't, right? So bring us up to speed on, you know, how it all went down. Yeah, he Wednesday is just a normal day for, I think, most quarterbacks across the league and certainly the Browns. Uh, I think since I've been covering the team, which is almost two decades, the start of quarterbacks, I think, always talked on Wednesdays. So it's a little unusual that he didn't. Um, I don't know if he just wanted an extra day you know, to kind of get his thoughts together. I don't know if he wanted to practice first with the starters before he talked, whatever the case was, whatever the case was. Uh, today he talked, um, and yeah, he, he opened with a long statement, thanking a lot of people, a lot, you know, the organization, teammates, coaches. He thanked the fans, the city of Cleveland for embracing him. And then he said, uh, on, I don't know if it was on the advice of his legal team and his clinical team, that he wasn't going to talk about anything non-football related. So, you know, I, I know people feel differently about that. My opinion is, you know, it's disappointing. We had to, you know, Watson hasn't talked since August 18th, which is when he accepted the settlement with the NFL, which included the 11 game suspension. I think a lot of people want to hear from him. You know, he's, he hasn't talked very often since all the legal trouble or the, what was your main um, takeaway from today? Well, I mean, that was the, the main one is that he didn't talk about any of the, talk about the non-football stuff, and he really avoided it. Um, and, you know, I, I get the sentiment that you want to move on to football, right? I understand that, and I understand there's a segment of the fan base that feels strongly about that. But it doesn't feel like there's closure on these other issues, and, and I think that's what's frustrating for some people. And just the last point on that is, you know, I, I think there's fans that are in his corner. And, and that's fine, right? But those who aren't, him not addressing the elephant in the room, that doesn't help. 
right? That doesn't help um, disengage Browns fans want to come back, want to cheer for him, want to watch the team, because I don't think they could feel any better about him as a person and in this, you know, in this situation, this non-football situation, because he won't address it, because he there's no contrition. Um, you know, and the last time he talked to you, he was defensive and defiant and, you know, said he'd never done anything wrong. And maybe that's true. Maybe he really believes that. But for all those people that don't believe it and the NFL didn't believe it, um, for him not to talk about it today and we're taping this Thursday night, um, I think that's difficult for those people to accept. Well, let me ask you this, though, to play devil's advocate, not yeah. saying that, you know, I and again, I'm not supporting what Deshaun Watson did, but, you know, when it comes down to it, do you think it, how much does it really matter at this point? Because, I mean, at, how, let me ask you this. How much have you seen it affect Browns fans? I mean, they've still been in the stadium. It's still a big draw on Twitter. There's yeah. still fans. I mean, do you think that it's been as much of an effect on the fan base as we maybe thought it may have been? That's an interesting question. Obviously, it's really tough to quantify. Um I, I think there's an effect, Judd. I mean, you know, I've talked to people who say they won't watch games now that he's going to play. That's not the majority of people, but you hear that. Um, I, I think there's people that still follow the Browns, but don't follow them as closely or as passionately because he's the quarterback. And the fact is he didn't play those first 11 games, right? So you could still watch the Browns and not have Deshaun Watson in your face. And that changes Sunday against Houston. Now, I don't think that means more empty seats over the last six games, right? The Browns' record has more impact on that. But I do think there is a significant, and I don't know what percentage that is. Is it 20% of the fan base can't stand him? Is it less than that? I, I know there's a huge, I know there's a huge group of fans that root for the Browns anyway, despite Deshaun Watson. And then there's a group of fans that are all in Deshaun Watson's corner, right? They either don't believe he did anything wrong or don't care that he did anything wrong because this is their football team. So I think that's how the the fan base is segmented. And I get, I mean, I get your point. And I know that this is about football, but I think this matter supersedes football. I think there's people triggered by it. I know, I mean, outside of the women involved in the case, right? There are people triggered by the discussion of sexual assault and that's in sexual misconduct. And that's what the acquisition of Deshaun Watson brought to the Browns. And I, I think it's maybe naive to think that that goes away just because he served 11 games and he's got six games to play. He's gotten a lot of support, right? He has, um, you know, how, you know how Twitter is, right? I'll tweet something he says. No, I'm, I, I'm, I'm, say, I'm saying what he said today, right? Didn't he say oh. that he's had a lot of fans come up to him? And Yeah, that's what he said. Yeah, he said he'll be out and about yeah. and people come up to him at dinner or, you know, he feels embraced, um, which I believe, right? I also don't know if, you know, if you're, whatever, if you're a woman with a history of sexual assault, I don't know if you run up to him in a restaurant and talk, tell him off to his face, right? Like, I mean, I, I don't know if that's a fair, yeah. I don't know if that's a great, sampling you know sample size but yeah he said he has he thanked the organization i know inside the building he's received a lot of support his teammates have said nothing but positive things about him and i, I think you know you just things like this right and there's nothing there's nothing 
comparable exactly. But off the field issues that players have tend to dissipate, right? It tends to be less of a conversation. And I get it. The farther mm-hmm. you get away from it, the more football is played. I just felt like today was a chance for him to kind of put it behind him by saying just a yeah. couple of things, right? I've learned a lot in in therapy, right? Like, wh- whatever. Maybe acknowledging that maybe he didn't always do the right thing, which he hasn't done. And I think that sits wrong with a lot of people. Um, and now it's going to be tough because when do you talk about it again? Um, you know, I, I think this was his opportunity and he obviously chose not to address it, you know, and he cited that that was the advice I might, you know, you can choose to believe that if you want. Um, but I just thought today would have been the time to address it and then we could move past it. Now it feels like there's something unresolved, at least in my opinion. Sure. So the bottom line is you would have liked him to respect his legal matters, but yet still say something that would have not crossed the line. You just wanted something. Yes. And, you know, I mean, he's talked he's talked in the past about it, right? When we talked to him March 18th, right. when we talked August 18th, he, he was adamant, right? I didn't sexual assault, sexually harassed. I've never assaulted, arrested, or disrespected a woman. So he wasn't afraid to talk about it then. I just felt like today, and really, there's only there's only two pending civil lawsuits. Back then, there were 24, right? So yeah, I, I felt that was a little flimsy. You know, is this therapist really telling him not to talk to the media? Maybe. Um, it just felt convenient to me, and I get it. I get that he wants to talk football, and he got way fewer questions about non-football stuff because he opened with it. Now he's still got a couple and he sidestepped them or just didn't really address them. Um, but if he hadn't said that, there would have been, you know, at least a handful of questions. There would have been many more questions. So I understand it. Yeah. I just disagree with it. How's he looking in practice? And, you know, how do you think he's going to do on Sunday? I, yeah. I tweeted it out this morning and I don't remember exactly. I think the over-under on touchdowns is one and a half. I think it was like 201 yards or somewhere in that low 200 range. Uh, so, you know, how, how do you think he's going to fare? Yeah, touchdowns are hard, but I like the over on yards. Um, i tell you what, Chuck, just to answer your first question about practice, he looks good. And, you know, we're not watching team drills. We're watching individual, and there's not even defense. We're just watching throw to receivers. But you kind of forget when you haven't seen him in a while, the ball comes out of his hand so well. I mean – there's zip on the ball. There's fire. It gets there in a hurry. Some receivers had some trouble catching the ball Wednesday, and I think it was because they hadn't caught a lot of passes from him. Uh, you know, just because – in Amara Cooper says he throws a catchable ball, so I don't think that's an issue. I mean, he's got the highest completion percentage, like, in the history of the league. Um, but there's some zip to it, right? Like, it gets on you on a hur- in a hurry if you're the receiver, and it just looks natural. It looks easy. He can kind of flip it downfield without a lot of exertion. And this is not to crap on Jacoby Brissett. And I thought he's done an outstanding job, and we've talked about that. But one of the things with Jacoby, one of the things I don't think he could do, one of the things that isn't a strength of his, is when he's rolling out, he really needs to kind of set his feet to throw the ball. And and I don't think Watson needs to do that. I think he can be rolling out and have a guy on the crossing pattern like the Browns like to do and just throw it to him because he's got such a strong arm. Um, So I think that opens up part of the Browns' game you know playbook and you know obviously he moves well you just watch him roll out and I said this I remember saying this to you Chuck back in it was the OTA so it might have been May that when you watch him and Jacoby go through two drills or go through footwork drills 
And we saw Jacoby. We saw him scramble for first downs. We saw him have some impact plays outside of the pocket with his legs. Well, when you watch those two guys side by side, Watson is like in a different planet than Jacoby. So I think that, you know, if you're a Browns fan looking to be excited, I think those are two things that he throws it really well and he runs really well. And we knew that about him. I mean, that's what he did with the Texans. But to me, there's this sense of, man, how does he look? Because it's been two years since he played and it's starting to kind of come back is just the high, high ceiling that he has. Yeah, I mean, we talked about this early in the year. I mean, over 700 days now. I, I just don't think it's fair to expect him to come out and, and be the same as he's been before. Maybe he will. We'll see. But there's a lot of questions that still go into it. It's going to be an interesting watch. What's interesting, too, is do you believe – did you see the coverage area? The, the NFL yeah. is definitely, <laughs> definitely not showing this to a large portion of the country. No, it's like Northeast Ohio and two spots in Texas. And I get it, yeah. right? You don't want, you know, you don't want it to be all about Deshaun Watson and his return. Plus, it's it's not a great game, right? The Browns are four and seven. No, Houston's Texans one are and one, right? So, yeah. So right. I get it. I mean, I get it for a lot of reasons. Um, but yeah, you're. It's interesting when you think about what's it going to look like Sunday, right? What's the rust factor? And you you assume there's going to be some, right? I mean, there just has to be. Now he said he doesn't. You know, he won't know until Sunday. But he did say, hey, I think it's kind of like riding a bike. I've been doing this since I was six. You know, start pedaling, get in the transition and go. So I think he has some optimism that it won't be, um, you know, won't be a huge transition that he'll be able to kind of get into the flow quickly. I think it's important that it's the Texans that the Browns are playing. He doesn't need to come out and play great, I don't think, because the Texans were bad. They have a bad run defense. So the Browns should be able to run the ball and help Deshaun Watson. So now that next week in Cincinnati is a big week. So they're going to need Deshaun Watson to be kind of at his best. But I, I do think this is – and I'm not trying to completely dismiss the Texans, but I think this is the potential to be a, a ramp-up period for him. Sure. Anything else on uh, Watson and, and today's developments? And we'll talk more about the game at the very end. But yeah. uh, anything else on Watson before we get to last week's win? It's just one thing, Chad, is I, I think what's important when you talk about the offense and how will it look different, right? And I think it's more run-pass options, more quarterback runs. Um, not a ton of quarterback runs, but more, you know? Some of those where Jacoby would carry out the play fake, but you knew he didn't have the ball. Well, maybe Watson has the ball, and that defensive end needs to sit there, and that opens up room for Chubb or Hunt, Right. And I think, and I, I thought this quote from after the game from right guard Wyatt Teller, I thought it was really telling. He said, if teams want to play an eight-man box against us, good luck. And we've seen it the last, we saw it last year with Baker Mayfield. We saw it this year with Jacoby Brissett, even though he's playing well. His teams say, we're going to put everybody at the line of scrimmage and take away Nick Chubb, or at least try to, and force the Browns to throw the ball. And if they try to do that against Deshaun Watson, Teller says they're going to pay the price. And there's a lot of reason to believe that's true. Maybe not in Houston, but if he gets back up to the Deshaun Watson that he was in 2020, teams aren't going to be able to play the Browns like that. They're going to have to drop that second safety, play cover two like you do against Patrick Mahomes, and then you should be able to see Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt really feast because there'll be fewer bodies in the box. All right, let's go back to uh, that victory, man. We uh, both got it wrong. We both picked Tampa Bay, but – 
you know, we both said it was going to be a three-point game. What's funny is I've been complaining how I can't get this team right with the spread, but I've been getting better straight up. Well, this week at least, <laughs> we both bought straight up, but we, we got it right with the spread. We knew it was going to be – well, we didn't know, but we figured it would be a close game, and it was. And, I mean, it was very close to going the other way. But, boy, what a catch from Najoku. What a win for the Browns. And I got to tell you, that was a fun game to watch because they didn't let it slip away. They hung in until the end. And I, I know, you know, it didn't feel like you wasted your whole Sunday. Yeah. Um, no, you're right. And a couple of things stick out to me. Obviously, you mentioned the Najoku catch, which they lose the game if he doesn't make it, right? It's fourth and ten. Yeah. He makes the catch. If he doesn't make that play, we're talking about three and eight. We're talking about Watson coming back to a lost season, right? It changes everything about, at least for one week, right? And probably two weeks until you get to Cincinnati. Like, it's amazing. And we've talked about this. But it's amazing how a play here or play there has that much impact and changes how you view a team, a game, whatever. Um, so that was a huge play. Amari Cooper bouncing back after that terrible fourth down drop that he couldn't believe. Yeah. Right? Oh, man. Then he makes at least three catches after that, including two big ones on the winning touchdown drive. They send Jacoby out. Jacoby Brissett out a winner, which was really important to the team. Gets a game ball. People rave about the leader he is and the teammate he is. You know, he deserved that win. Uh, and then, the de- how about the defense, Chud? They gave up a touchdown early. They gave up a field goal at the end of the half. Then they give up a touchdown on the second possession of the third quarter for Tampa Bay. So it's 17-10. And meanwhile, the Browns offense hasn't done anything since like two minutes left in the first quarter. And, you know, Tampa Bay's defense is good, but the Browns aren't moving the ball. I mentioned the Cooper drop. They're just not having a lot of success. They have a missed field goal from Cade York. But the defense, which has been much maligned, deservedly so, settled down and shut down Tom Brady, the greatest of all time, and Tampa Bay. And I think on the last seven possessions for the Buccaneers, there were six punts in a failed Hail Mary at the end of regulation. And that allowed the Browns chance after chance after chance to get a touchdown to tie the game, and they finally took advantage. So as much as much criticism as the defense has reserved, is received, it deserves credit for keeping that team in the game because one more field goal by Tampa Bay, and it might have gotten away from the Browns. Yeah, it was an incredible effort. Miles Garrett was great there at the end. Was, uh, yeah, I didn't see it coming. I, it just it wasn't it wasn't the way the defense was playing. I mean, we we've basically buried this defense the last few weeks. We also here's a, a comment though of what you said before. Didn't we say last week it was a lost season, or did we not? I, I thought we did. I mean, <laughs> well, it, I mean. It's, 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 yeah, it was a lost season, but not officially a lost season, Chuck. Cause they, right. It's the a, fact it's a found they could, season. Yeah. I mean, they could run the table and go to the playoffs, right? That's unlikely. Um, but that's still on the table. And it, and it wouldn't have been if they lost that game. Yeah. Well, one thing they proved was remember last week, we talked about the discussion that was out there in the, in the, it, it was out there online and, and, and in many places. The thought of, are they, had they given up? Well, it was clear this team has not given up. No, you're right about that. And I don't want to get too too far ahead of ourselves. Um, when you start to look at this last six games, right, and let's say the Browns had to sweep them, you know, you have Houston, and then you go to Cincinnati. 
And to me, that's the key game. And if they, if the Browns can go to Cincinnati and beat Joe Burrow again, then you can start to say, okay, there's a path to getting to 10 and seven, right? I'm not saying they're going to win out all the rest of their games. I'm not saying they're all easy, but I feel like there's a path. But the biggest obstacle right now, in my opinion, is that game a week from Sunday in Cincinnati. And if they win that game, then I think you can kind of recalibrate and go, okay, where do they stand? Can they really finish this off? But until that win happens, it still feels like an incredible long shot. And I just want yeah, to because the, go ahead, go ahead. I was just saying the schedule is not brutal. Right. It's not. It's not. You go, you know, there's well, you go you're home for Baltimore, which is tough, but then there's New Orleans at home, there's at Washington, and there's the Steelers on the road to end the season. So yeah. I mean, Cincinnati, Baltimore, back-to-back are the toughest two games left. You were going to say something before I brought that up. Oh, yeah. I'm glad I'm glad you mentioned Miles Garrett because I would be – it would be remiss if I didn't say this. You know, he's gotten – he gets grief, right? He gets criticism uh, at least from some segment of social media. I think some, some segment of media for, you know, oh, he disappears late. Um, does he play hard all the time? Does he have a big enough impact? And I've pushed back on that multiple times with you, right? We've had this discussion. And I think exhibit A from now on in my argument would be the end of that Tampa Bay game. Because I saw him get lit up by the Tampa Bay guard, right? He, he gets away from the tackle and the guard comes and smashes his left shoulder, which is sprained from the car accident in, in September. And, and he runs to the sideline with his arm hanging, incredible pain, slams his helmet, sits down on the sideline, and the pain was obvious. He didn't miss a snap, and not only did he not miss a snap, I think he had a sack and a half after that, including the sack to set up the winning touchdown drive. He got pressure on Tom Brady more than once, including on the first overtime drive, and he drew a penalty that – took away a first down, which I think was an overtime. He was huge at the end of the game, and to do that with the pain that he was in, um, I, I thought was incredibly impressive. Yeah, no question. He had to add a, a sack to his uh, uh, graveyard there. Probably. Yeah, right, right. <laughs> Just uh, talk more about the defense and, and why you think they were able to, to turn it around like that. I mean, it, it, was it as much the Browns, or was it, you know – partly Tampa Bay. I mean, it is Tom Brady, and I thought they were going to kind of run all over the Browns. Yeah, it was it was an improved effort, and not effort necessarily from a try-hard standpoint. This played better. It was a better performance. They gave up a big run early and then really settled in. I thought, you know, J- or, uh, JOK talked about we need to penetrate more. I thought they did that. I thought they attacked more. They were more gap sound, which, you know, it's tough for people to kind of quantify that, but you know, they didn't get – they didn't. They stayed in their assignment. The D tackles played better. The linebackers played better. Everybody tackled better. It was just all around a better effort. Now, Tampa Bay isn't an explosive offense, but they have weapons. Tom Brady, Mike Evans, Julio Jones, Chris Godwin, the running back, Rashad White is good. And for the Browns to limit them like they did was impressive. And for the run defense to finally stand up after being gashed five out of the last seven games was huge. Now, they need to do it again. Damian Pierce – and Houston is the biggest threat on that Houston offense, so the Browns are going to have to do it again. Um, 
But I think there were positive signs. Now you need, like I said, you need some consistency. But they just played better overall. I think it was from the front to the back. The run defense was better. Well, Pierce has been struggling of late. Uh, this Houston offense, uh, you know, Brandon Cooks has had his issues with the team. He wanted to be traded. Pierce was doing outstanding all year. Now he's taken a step back. Uh, you know, they've had quarterback issues. I mean, it's just this should be another chance for the Browns defense to, to get the job done. Yeah, he, I think it's it might be eight yards the last two weeks for Pierce. Now, you know, their offense isn't doing anything. They change quarterbacks. Um, they, you know, they were behind like 30 nothing against Miami, which makes it hard to hand the ball off. Um, so, yeah, but he's got good numbers for the season. Breaks a lot of tackles. The Browns are speaking really highly of him, but he's the concern, right? Like, he in because the Browns are the Browns and their run defense, that's like the one guy I, I think to keep an eye on. I mean, you could say Brandon Cooks, but Pierce is the one guy I'm keeping an eye on. If the Browns can contain him, then they shouldn't have any trouble with that Texas offense. Well, I think it, it's deserving to give jo Jacoby Brissett another uh, another talk about here. And you know, I listen. I let me ask you this: Do you think he's the starting quarterback in the NFL? I think he did a great job. He did better than anyone could have expected. But do you think a team's going to go out there and, and want him to be their starter next year? I mean, do you think the Browns have a concern with, you know, losing him as a, a backup? What's his status, by the way? Yeah. What's he locked into? I can't remember. No, it's only this year, Chud. Yeah, that's um, right. Okay. Yeah. So so I, I think he wants to go somewhere else to start. I think that's – I have no doubt about that. That's what he wants to do. Um Will he get that opportunity? I think he will in the right circumstance. And when I say that, like, Jacoby's not going to be a top 15 quarterback in the league, right? But can he be the bridge quarterback? Yeah. Can can he be the guy that if you draft somebody, you let Jacoby set start your season, and if you're playing great, then you stick with him? If he or the team struggles, you go to the rookie? Yes. Like, I think of Tyrod Taylor, right? Tyrod Taylor – has been a starter multiple times in this league in that role. Like, teams go to get him for that role. And I think Brissett's better than Tyra Taylor. I think Brissett's better than Marcus Mariota, who is holding that role for the Falcons right now. I mean, Brissett right now is probably better than Matt Ryan. He, his career's not better, but right now he's probably better. So I, I think there might be a handful of situations across the league. Now, it's not going to be, hey, we commit to – no team's going to commit to Jacoby Brissett as their long-term starter. I don't see that happening. But I could see um, even Geno Smith, right? The Seahawks went and got Geno Smith. Nobody thought he was the guy. Um, that's kind of the role – or that's kind of the scenario I could envision him um, landing somewhere else. Now, if he doesn't get that, I'm, I'm sure the Browns would want him back. But I think there's going to be a better opportunity than, hey – sit behind Deshaun Watson and wait to see if he gets hurt. Do you feel like this past game, it felt like a lot of different guys, and I think you mentioned it already, a lot of different guys really stepped up. Do you feel like Watson is going to bring out some of these guys that, you know, you're going to – when it's all said and done, you're going to be like, now this is what we were talking about with some of these guys. Not that Brissett didn't, but, it, it, you know, you just mentioned different things, just like when he's rolling out. I, I, the ability to maybe make the tight ends better. Do you, do you think we're going to see – you know, we're, next week, are we going to be talking about some guys that we didn't talk a lot about before? We're like, hey, this is what we thought we might see. Yeah, that's a great question, Chuck. Um, I think tight end is a good a, a good mention there. 
Now, David Njoku hasn't practiced. He didn't practice Wednesday, Thursday. He, he's got a knee injury he's dealing with. I don't know when it got hurt. Um, and I watched the game again, and it didn't stand out at me. I might have to rewatch overtime to see if anything jumps out. But he hasn't practiced the last two days. But I, I would think Njoku would be a prime target for Watson. Even Harrison Bryant, right, if Watson can't play. Uh, I think Watson likes the middle of the field better than Brissett did. A lot of Brissett's throws were corner routes. Um, so I'm with you there. And, and, and I, I just think everybody, like I think Amari Cooper, right? I mean, he's having a really good year. I think he's, I think he's got a chance to even have a better finish because Watson gives you a chance to make a bunch of big plays. And I mentioned the running backs. I, I think, I think the run game will improve with just the presence of Watson, um, whether it's him throwing or him being a threat to keep the ball and run. And I think throwing maybe Kareem Hunt, right? We haven't seen Kareem Hunt have a big impact. And I don't know if, I don't know if Watson, is that somewhere he would look? Is he looking to check it down to Kareem Hunt? But you just wonder if um, something will spark and Kareem Hunt will start to have a bigger impact. And maybe it's just a switch. Maybe it's Deshaun Watson. Maybe you don't have to keep Kareem Hunt in to protect the quarterback on third down as much because Watson gets it out of his hand quicker. Or he can escape pressure and therefore Kareem Hunt is released in a pattern and Watson throws it to him more, right? Like, I could see all of those things. And it's so hard because the Browns are 11th in the league in scoring, right? So it's like, well, that's not the problem. And it hasn't been. But I think if he's playing like Deshaun Watson, right? And I, like we talked about, I don't know if that happens this week. But when he plays like a Pro Bowl quarterback, I think it improves everybody. And I think it trickles down to the defense. Like, he has the potential to have that kind of an impact, um, which is why the Browns went and got him, right? Yeah. Hey, uh, they, they did. Uh, I see they got the guy who vandalized the field. Yeah, well, they think they do. I mean, the police yeah. um, say they identified who the suspect. It's a twenty-year-old man. Um, he's going to go direct to. It's called direct indictment. So we'll see what happens next. But they believe that they found the guy. All right. Anything else before we get to prediction time? Well, I don't think so, John. I think we. Had, and you're right. I'm glad you brought up Brissett again because I know I know we've sung his praises, um, but it feels like. There's a, there's a chance it's going to be one and done, right? And he's going to be this footnote. And he deserves more than that. Like, he has he had an impact on this team, on this locker room. And even if the Browns don't go to the playoffs, like, he should be respected and remembered really fondly for what he did here in a really tough situation. Yeah, he proved he was a leader, no doubt, right? I mean, it's um... – he, their record would have been better had the defense been better, no question, right? Um, now, there are a couple games he could have maybe pulled out a victory here or there, so we can't blame it all on the defense. But for the most part, it's on the defense. Yes, yeah, I completely agree, right? There were plays yeah. to be made, but, I, I, yeah, I blame the defense. I just do. And you yeah. throw special teams in there. Oh, yeah, no doubt. No doubt about that. Watch, you know, watch everyone just get a little bit better, though, here. Yeah. If, if they build momentum, we talked about that last week. Maybe they'll build some momentum here. But still tough to think they can win six in a row. I mean, that that would be something, no question. Well, especially for a team that hasn't won two straight all year, right? Yeah, well. I mean, I mean that's, that's what makes it, you know, a, a huge leap, which, you know, is why we need to see him win the next two, probably before we have any real discussion, even though I probably jumped the gun <laughs> bringing it up. 
Yeah, no doubt. All right, let's get to prediction time. All right, you want it? So we we got the Browns at four and seven. I'm at six and five. You're at five and six. Yeah, he went under 500 there. But uh, anyway, Browns minus seven, 46 and a half. That's what I had earlier. Uh, I don't know if you checked recently. We're recording this on Thursday night. Uh, I'm not. I don't know if it's up to eight or but it's probably going to hang around there. Let me take a look. Yeah, I still have seven and 46 and a half where I'm looking at right now. Okay. So uh, I'll let you go first on this one. Right. I mean, I think I, I think I know where, which direction we're both going to go. I'm just curious on this score. Yeah, I mean, I could be wrong, and Houston could put up a stand, and maybe the crowd is really raucous because Watson comes back. Um, but I think there's a sense of apathy in Houston regarding the Texans. That's what John McClain, one of their longtime writers, has talked about. Uh, Houston's not good. <laughs> you know, I've watched the last two games. They're one nine and one, uh, so you know I, I I struggle to predict an easy Browns win because I haven't seen a whole lot of them, but I'm going to go relatively easy thirty one twenty. Thirty one twenty. All right, so you're going well over the uh, over under there. Thirty one twenty. Yeah, I just I think the Browns will be able to move the ball, and I I don't know if Watson will have a huge game. I would take the over on the two hundred yards, um, but like I mentioned, like, I think there's a potential for Chubb and Hunt to have huge days. Because that Texans run defense, it might be last in the league, Chubb. It's bad. I'm going to look right now. Um, they're the 32nd. They're giving up 168 yards a game. So, oh, <laughs> right? So, I mean, if the Browns do that, and then Watson mixes in some throws, like, I, I don't know. It just feels like, and, and for all the distraction and all the side story of Watson, I think in that building, he's providing a boost. And there's renewed energy coming off that win with him coming back. And I think that all leads to a good performance against a bad team. Um, so, yeah, I went 31-20. I thought I was going 31-17, but I gave the Texans an extra field goal. Oh, that's nice of you. They'll, they'll appreciate that. Yeah. Uh, I, I just – I think part of the reason that Deshaun Watson over under in the low 200s is probably because of the Browns ability to run the ball and Houston's ability to not stop it. So that's probably, and you know, they, they might hold them back a little bit, you know, it's, it's going to be yeah. one of two things, right? They're either going to unleash them or hold them back a little bit. Let so, me ask you, what do you think? Yeah. Sorry to interrupt. What do you think? For some reason, I've been thinking about this first play of the game, right? First yeah. offensive play. If you're Kevin Stefanski, what do you do? I think you hand it off to Chubb. Do you? Yeah, you don't. You think you got to pass, right? Yeah, I mean, I get it, and that was the first thought. And I said, you know what? If your quarterback hasn't played in 700 days, he's dying for a completion, right? So give him something. Give him a hook to Cooper or a hook to your tight end or run a bubble, something that gets him a completion. I mean, they could roll him out, and they did that against the Jaguars, right, when he had the terrible opener, um, you know, the, the three series in the preseason opener. And they tried to do the same thing. They rolled him out. He had an open Schwartz. And I think he overthrew him or Schwartz ran the wrong route. I can't remember. But uh, it could be something like that, right? Just give him an easy completion. And then you can turn to handing it off. But like, I don't think it will come out throwing every possession, every play. But I, I think the first one will be a pass. Yeah. All right. I'll go chub run. You go pass. And we'll talk about it next week. Fair enough. I think, you know, get a couple yards. Let him, uh, you know, just get his hands on the ball. Hand one off. And then. You know, if he has an incomplete pass on first down, then you're looking at second and 10. 
I just, you know, I'm, I'm going to go that direction. So we'll see what happens. I got gotcha. you. So, so what was your pick? Uh, I'm going to, well, I'm going to pick the Browns to win. No question. And I'm, I'm going to go, I'm going to say this. I'm going to say the Browns are up 27 to 13 late and Houston gets like a ridiculous touchdown just to like get it right to within seven there. So I'll go 27, 20. I'm not married to it. I could easily see the Browns win by three touchdowns. I mean, yeah. they could, they could blow this team out. The only scenario, the only scenario I don't see happening. And if we're talking about this next week, Oh my gosh, I do not see a Houston victory um, at, at all. Obviously, it could happen, but um, but I I'll, I'll go twenty seven twenty. But you know, again, the picking the spread with these guys is not easy. No, you're right, and I agree with all that, Chad. I would say, and I don't expect this to happen. Obviously, with what we talked about and the score I predicted, um, if Watson comes out and there's a ton of rust and he's rattled by getting booed or whatever, right? Being back in Houston, whatever, all those things that you can't predict because you're not inside a guy's head. Um, and he plays poorly, then maybe it gets funky, right? And Houston hangs around, and they start. it starts to get confidence. I don't expect that to happen, but like if you're talking worst-case scenario, that's what it is, right? That he just doesn't play well, and then all of a sudden the Browns are like, oh, my gosh, he's not playing well. How do we, you know, how do we adjust to this? Um, like that. that's I, – I guess you can't completely rule that out because it's been 700 days, and – it's not just, it's like he's coming back from a knee injury, right? There's a whole lot of stuff that he's had to deal with. Um, obviously, I would consider that self-inflicted. But, the, you know, the point is it's it's physical, it's mental, it's emotional, it's all mm -hmm. those things. Can he handle them? And I'm assuming he will. But if he doesn't, you know, then that's what Browns would have to be worried about. No doubt. All right, Houston, here we come. Let's see uh... – you know, I don't envision any problems. So we'll see. Did I just do that? <laughs> that was strong. I know. That was, that was a nice twist. I mean, that's a different <laughs> Houston. We have a problem, which is. It was a different. I need to go to yeah. bed. I need yeah. to go to bed. That's the problem, right? Because it's uh, 630. 2.30 a.m. comes quick. <laughs> it does. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you, Chud. This was a good one. I'm glad we got this in. There's a lot to talk about. I appreciate it. Um, and thanks, everybody, for listening. This is another episode of the Zone Coverage Podcast. You can read all my work at brownzone.com. Thanks again.